Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley from Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Today we're talking about money. And uh, <laughs> sometimes that's a great subject. Sometimes that can be a little bit of a hard subject. I know we're into well into 2019 now and, and the holidays have passed us. The bills maybe are coming in. Tax season is close. Eh, money might not be the easiest subject to talk about, but definitely worthwhile. Royal, how are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. It's great to be back here with you. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the subject today. This is one um, we spend a, a lot of time as financial planners, financial advisors talking about mm-hmm. is the different types of money and how that affects a client's life, how it affects her taxes and, and that sort of thing. So this is probably one of the areas where I see most people, they have some knowledge about it, but I'm hoping to shed some light here and provide clarity for people about the different types of money and what it means to their taxes. Got it. And when you say different types, I'm assuming you're not talking pesos or Canadian dollars. You're talking about different ways that you get money or save money or money comes into you. Okay. All right. That's right. We're talking about U.S. dollars and U.S. tax law. All right. Good clarification there. Yeah. Just just in case there was any question there. (laughs) All right. So what are the different types of money? So we're going to divide them up into two different types, and we'll we'll kind of expound from there. The first is non-qualified money. And so what the heck does non-qualified money mean? It means there's no tax qualifications around it. And so you can think about non-qualified money as the money you have in your bank account. Um, You know, it's the money you earn from, you know, your work or investments, rental income, that's non-qualified. There's no special taxation around that money. You you put it in the bank, you're going to pay taxes on that money. You can take it out of the bank, you can spend it. The dollars in your pocket, that's non-qualified money. Okay. The other type of money is qualified money. This means it has a tax qualification around it. Mm -hmm. And this is money that you can think about that would be in an IRA, in a 401k, in your pension plan. And what that simply means is, is this is money that has a tax qualification. Now, if we're looking at kind of the traditional 401k and uh, traditional IRA options, this is income that you have earned, but have not yet paid taxes on. You've put it into a tax deferred account, like an IRA or a 401k. And from this point on, it's growing with all the taxes deferred. So you don't have to account for any dividends or capital gains that happen in that account. But where you're going to pay the taxes on it is when the money leaves the account, that is when it's going to turn into ordinary income for you. So that tax qualification right there is what we're going to talk about. I think most people get the non-qualified sense. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have money in a bank account at Wells Fargo, and I want to move it over here into another account, I can do that with no problem. I can take the money out. I can put it over here. I can write a check. Pretty easy, I think, for most people to understand. Yeah. Uh, With qualified funds, it's a little bit different 
but you can still combine qualified accounts depending on the types of accounts you're using. So most people are familiar with a 401k. 401k is a, a, an employer-sponsored retirement plan. Could be a combination of money you have deferred in as an individual participant and money that your company has put in as either a match or a contribution or a profit-sharing contribution. Okay. So we'll kind of set vesting off to the side. Vesting applies to the money that your employer has put in. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll just kind of leave that off to the side for the time being. But with qualified accounts like your 401k and your IRA, let's say you work at a company for a number of years and you build up a nice uh, 401k balance, let's say $100,000, for instance, okay. and you decide to leave that job and go to a new job, what do you do with that money that's in that old 401k plan? And when we sit down with a, with a client to discuss their options, we want to make them aware of what their options really are. So in most cases, as long as your balance is above uh, usually $5,000, you're allowed to leave money in an old employer's retirement plan indefinitely. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to make a decision right away when you change jobs. There might be some other factors there that might encourage you to, to look at that and make some changes. But number one, you can just leave money in an old uh, employer's retirement account. Okay. If you're starting a new job that has a 401k, you're actually allowed to roll that money that was in your old 401k into the new 401k. Now, very rarely do 401ks have language in there that prohibits a transfer of old 401k funds into the new 401k. So the thing you want to look at is your summary plan description that you're provided from your new 401k. But in almost, I'd probably say 90-95% of cases, that new 401k is able to accept those 401k dollars from your old employer. And finally, the other option that you have is you can roll that money from your old employer over to an individual retirement account or a traditional IRA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, there's a fourth option, which we, we don't really want to talk about here. We don't want to give people ideas, but you could cash out your retirement savings. But if you're under the age of 59 and a half, there's going to be a 10% penalty for any distribution from a 401k that's not getting rolled over or transferred into a qualified account. Yeah. So that there's going to be that 10% penalty for people who are under the age of 59 and a half. And then for everybody, they're going to have to pay taxes on the amount that they roll out of their account. Really, we want to look at those three main options there because for the most part, we want to encourage people to not cash out their retirement, especially if they're under the age of 59 and a mm -hmm. half and they have some other options available to them. All right, Roy, what about, you said you could roll it over to a traditional IRA. Can you roll it to into a Roth IRA? So you can. So if you have a traditional 401k, you can convert it into a Roth IRA. In most cases, what, what has to happen, however, is it has to go into a traditional IRA for that initial rollover, and then you can convert it into a Roth IRA. And taxes so, are due, right? Once you do that? Correct. Oh, okay. Correct. Yeah. So the difference there with the Roth IRA is the Roth IRA is kind of the inverse of the traditional IRA. 
when you have an IRA or a 401k, you're deferring income that you haven't paid taxes on into that account. Mm -hmm. From that point on, it's growing tax deferred. And when you get to retirement and begin pulling money out of there, like we just said, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. The Roth, if you think of those steps, is, is the inverse. Any money that goes into a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k is money that you have already paid taxes on. So when people talk about putting money into their Roth IRA, they're not getting any current year tax breaks because they're already paying the taxes on that money. Mm -hmm. But from that point on, that money now grows tax-free and at retirement comes out tax-free. So for a lot of my younger clients, the Roth IRA or Roth 401k is really one of the most powerful tools that we have for planning for retirement. Got it. The other big thing I love about the Roth IRA or Roth 401k is the ability for this money to get passed on to your heirs and for them to extend that tax-free account over the course of their lifetimes using a beneficiary Roth IRA or a stretch uh, beneficiary Roth IRA. Those are ways where a client can inherit that money tax-free, assuming there's no uh, estate tax issues. Um, and they're able to basically stretch that account tax-free over their lifetime, which really makes it one of the most powerful estate planning tools that we have uh, as advisors. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, everybody wants to be able to pass on a legacy, pass on something to their children or their grandchildren. And if you can do that tax-free, I mean, that's a huge bonus. Correct. Correct. Yeah. The, the only thing we need to worry about in an estate like Oregon is Oregon has a $1 million estate tax limit. So anything above a million dollars may be subject to the estate tax, but that's only if you have over a million dollars. Got it. All right. We, I think we all hope that we're over that million dollar point at some time in our life. Uh, and that would be great, but it's nice to know that if you are under that, that that's, you know, it's not going to be taxed in that way, at least for Oregon, you said, right? It's Oregon. Correct. So and they just raised the federal state tax limits up to over $10 million a person. So that's really not an issue for most people any longer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Definitely. All right. You had spoken about rolling these into other accounts. What's the process look like to do that? So the process there for an IRA to roll money into an IRA from a 401k, it's really just a question of talking to your 401k provider or your HR department to get the paperwork or at least a process that's going to be needed to initiate that rollover. And all 401ks are, are just a little bit different depending on who the third-party administrator is, who the custodian is. Some will allow you to process a rollover to an IRA or another 401k with a phone call. In other cases, it's going to be paperwork that you're going to need to sign. And especially with 403Bs, which are kind of a cousin to the 401k, oftentimes that requires both your signature and a signature from your former employer to initiate any transfers out of the account. Hmm. Okay. So the great thing about when we're talking about qualified money is all of these things can be rolled over to an IRA. But what a lot of people don't realize is if you're, you're working for a company that offers a 401k or a 403b, is you can roll your IRA up into your employer-sponsored 401k or 403b. Hmm. Now, a company won't usually allow you, if you no longer work there, to roll any money into the plan, but your, your current employer plan 
usually will allow those consolidations of accounts. What would the advantage to that be? I think simplicity. I think simplicity is really one of the mainstays of managing your financial life, mm-hmm. especially with uh, younger clients who maybe change jobs every two to three years. Not having all of those accounts sitting out there and trying to keep an eye on them and managing them, rolling them all up into one or two accounts just creates that simplicity so you know what your management style is. Yeah. I mean, people may think, well, I've got two different, three different, four different 401ks and these accounts and I've got an IRA and that's diversification. But truly, (laughs) right? I mean, diversification is the 401k itself. You're choosing mutual funds or you're choosing funds in there that are diversified in and of themselves. So being able to consolidate everything into one or two accounts, maybe maximum sounds like probably the best idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being diversified across custodians for most people. And when I say custodians, I mean the 401k providers, mm-hmm. you know, could be Fidelity, Vanguard, Merrill Lynch, wh- whatever that is. That's really not what we talk about when we talk about diversification. Yeah. It's the actual underlying investments there. And by consolidating things, that will help you come up with an investment strategy either by yourself or working with a professional to help create that, uh, that's easy to manage. I think people just want simplicity and want to know where their money is, want to know how they're doing. And I often hear this statement, which makes me laugh, is I have a 401k with $100,000 in it, and I have an IRA with $10,000 in it. In my 401k, I I just lost $7,000, but in my IRA, I only lost seven (laughs) hundred. Yeah. That's apples to apples, baby. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that is a 7% loss in either account. Yeah. The scale is different, but combining those and and kind of simplifying that for most people is a real positive. There, there are some times where it makes sense to do some different things there. But my first goal when I sit down with a client is how can we simplify your financial life just so it's easier for you to understand and manage kind of all the different moving parts and, and what's already a fairly complex system. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we, we touched a little bit on Roth 401ks, Roth IRAs, and this is somewhat of a new development. I think it's still being rolled out. With a Roth 401k or a Roth 403b, one of the biggest advantages there is it allows you to defer so much more of your income into that tax-free Roth environment than you can with a Roth IRA. So For instance, right now in 2019, you're allowed to defer $6,000 for someone under the age of 50 into a Roth IRA. In a Roth 401k, for someone who's under 50, you can defer $19,000 into that Roth IRA. It just allows you to kind of supercharge your retirement savings, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. But sometimes what will happen is, is if you're changing jobs there, you might have money in the Roth 401k, but your new plan doesn't offer that Roth option. Mm, okay. So often, oftentimes what we'll have to do is just set up a Roth IRA to kind of keep those funds in that Roth environment, or you always have the option, if you're over $5,000 in most cases, to leave it in the old employer plan. Gotcha. That kind of covers the three basic types of money there. We have the qualified non-qualified, and then the the tax-free Roth option. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the other the other funny thing I, I hear from new prospects uh, sometimes is, well, how much money does a Roth IRA make? Yeah, <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> and it, the answer is, it all depends on what the investment is. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you can open up a bank account at your local bank and create it as a Roth IRA, and it will just make whatever the interest rate the bank provides for their normal checking account. So the underlying investment really has nothing to do with the tax qualification or lack thereof. So a Roth IRA doesn't make any more in investment returns than your non-qualified account or your traditional 401k or, or IRA. It all depends on what investments do you decide to put into that environment. Yeah, I'm assuming that you could, there's possibly the exact same investments in a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. So technically they would make the same amount or or lose the same amount, depending on how the market's doing, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the real question is, is at retirement, what is going to be the taxes you're going to have to pay on those distributions with a traditional 401k or traditional IRA? Every dollar that comes out is going to be $1 of ordinary income with a traditional uh, IRA or 401k. And with a Roth, every dollar is tax-free. So you can kind of see, especially as we talk about, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of investing, how powerful that Roth option can be. Mm -hmm. Because not only do you get what you put into it tax-free, but you get all the earnings, interest, and capital gains tax-free as well. Yeah, no, that's great. So I wanted to touch on a couple of other areas where there's some confusion there and also kind of some of the, some different tax rules there. So one thing that comes up quite often is annuities. And with an annuity, it's really going to be dependent on which types of dollars you use to fund that annuity. Now, an annuity is a form of life insurance. It's an insurance contract that is designed to provide lifetime income. This is often what we refer to as an immediate annuity. You're basically giving a sum of money to an insurance company and they're going to give you an income stream over your lifetime. There's also a deferred annuity where you put money on deposit with an insurance company and they're going to either give you a fixed interest rate, this would be a fixed annuity, or you can invest it into variable sub-accounts which uh, you can kind of think of them somewhat similarly to mutual funds, where you're going to be subject to the fluctuations of the overall market there. But depending on what types of dollars you put into it will determine the taxation that comes out of your annuity. So if you put qualified dollars, let's say from an IRA or a 401k into an annuity, it retains basically the same similarities as that IRA or 401k dollars, Mm -hmm. meaning that every dollar that comes out is going to be taxable. The difference, however, is when you put non-qualified dollars into an annuity. So let's say you put $50,000 into a variable annuity, and over the next 10 or 20 years, it grows to $100,000. So right now with that that variable annuity, it's worth um, $100,000. Fifty thousand dollars is non-qualified basis that you put into it, mm-hmm. and the other fifty thousand dollars is gain. So, if you were to take a normal distribution from that annuity, 
The way an annuity works is if you don't annuitize it, basically, if you don't turn it into an income stream, you have to take off the gain first. No. So this is what we call uh, LIFO or last in first out. So you have to take that gain off the top first before you actually reach the basis. So if you were taking out, let's say, $10,000 every year from it, and let's just say performance was flat for that 10-year period, mm -hmm. you would have to take off five years of $10,000 of taxable interest there, and that's going to come out as ordinary income before you reach those last five years, which are going to be a return of basis there. So the first so five years, what you're saying is the first five years are taxed. So let's say you're at 20% tax rate, just mm -hmm. for easy numbers. You take out 10 grand, you've got 2000 in taxes. So you get 8,000 each year for the first five years. Correct. All right. Correct. And then, so the, yeah. the, the remaining five years, again, assuming that there's zero growth on it, because you still have that 50,000 in there that you've already paid taxes on, came out of the Roth or, or wherever it came from, that's going to come to you at 10,000 per year, but it's not taxed at all. Correct. Now, if you had funded the annuity with Roth funds, then all of those gains would be tax-free. So this is only oh. applying to non-qualified dollars. Got it. So if you took 50000 in cash, is what you're saying, mm -hmm. put it into yep. an annuity, and then after however many years it grows to 100000 that extra 50000 is taxable. But if you put a Roth in there, if what if it grows inside the annuity then? So all of that growth there is tax-free. Oh, so basically, the, it, it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So basically, that Roth accumulation is still going to be tax-free for you. So a few different ways of looking at that. But the, the biggest thing I, I see quite often is people might buy an annuity to defer taxes on money they don't expect to need. And over time, it accumulates so much that when they pass away and pass that on to their heirs, Oftentimes, their, their heirs are surprised by how much taxes they have to pay to surrender that annuity or look at some options like a non-qualified stretch annuity to stretch that annuity out over their lifetimes. Gotcha. Interesting. So there's, there's, it's pretty complex. I mean, the, the best thing is if, if this is interesting and piques some questions in folks, y'all need to reach out to Royal because <laughs> I've got a lot of questions and we don't have all the time on this podcast <laughs> to answer them, but there's a lot of different strategies out there. So it, it sounds like people could really, really benefit from doing this the correct way with some guidance, or they could really make some mistakes up front that will cost their family and their, their kids and grandkids uh, in the long run. Absolutely. Whenever the, the subject of annuities come up, that's the time to kind of slow down and make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure that you understand kind of all the ins and outs of what's being recommended to you. You know, some people are very pro annuity. Some people are very opposed to annuities. The way I look at it is an annuity is a tool that is appropriate sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just like you're not going to use your Salzall for every home improvement project, you wouldn't use an annuity for everyone's retirement planning. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It's nice to have a tool belt with lots of different tools in it so you can choose the right one that fits your exact situation. So that's that's very important. Yep, yep. And so finally, as we're kind of wrapping up, I just want to touch on one other area where we have some tax qualification issues. We'll, we'll, we're just going to kind of briefly touch on these, but I think they're very interesting. One is the HSA, the health savings account, and the other is the 529 college savings plan. 
Now, with the HSA, if you have a high deductible insurance plan, this could be a great vehicle for saving for future health expenses. So oftentimes what happens is, is um, in a given year, you're allowed, allowed to defer money into a health savings account. That money is going to reduce your taxable income. It's going to grow tax deferred. And as long as it gets used for medical expenses, it gets used tax free. So the health savings account is, I think, an underutilized way of saving for the future, but it does have some pretty narrow uh, boundaries there on what it can be used for. But it's a great way of accumulating money for what we all know will be higher medical expenses in retirement. Mm -hmm. The other is the 529 college savings plan, which basically almost works like a Roth IRA for college expenses. You can put money into the 529, it will grow tax-free. And as long as the money is used for qualified college expenses, it comes out tax-free as well. So it's a great way for people with young kids to plan ahead and accumulate some money that they're not going to have to pay taxes on down the road. Also, depending on the state that you live in, there may be some state incentives that are provided to kind of do that planning early and uh, reduce some taxes on your state income tax. So nice. in the state of Oregon, they offer a up to a $4,750 deduction if you put that much into a 529 each year that will reduce your Oregon state income taxes. Ooh, Every nice. state has different rules according to this. So it's definitely something if you live in a state and you're looking for savings for college to kind of do that research talk to a professional and, and find out what's going to be the best plan for you. Yeah. Bottom line is again, talk to a professional, uh, lots of different tools in the tool belt and you don't want to rush into something and find out it's a Saul's all when you're trying to paint. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me doing a home improvement project. Yeah, yeah, I did that last weekend. <laughs> all right, Royal. Is there anything else we want to cover today before we wrap this up? Yeah, you know, I think those are the major things. Just I'm hoping this gives people a little bit more understanding of what can be a fairly complex topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest advice I have is talk to a professional. We're available to consult with individuals about th- these different types of accounts, but you definitely don't want to be making mistakes and you don't want to get advice from, you know, your brother-in-law who thinks he knows it all. Yeah, absolutely. And and everybody listening, whether you're in Washington or you're in Idaho, you're in California, if Royal is not licensed in your state, he probably is connected with somebody who is very knowledgeable and can help you out too. So still reach out to Royal, see what he can do for you. If he, if he's unable to work with you for whatever reason, he can point you in the right direction. So Royal, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Great to chat with you. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. 
Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.